Act Two of Tartuffe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tartuffe or the Hypocrite by Moliere. Act Two. Scene One. Organ Marianne. Now, Marianne. Yes, father. Come, I'll tell you a secret. Yes. What are you looking for? Orgon looking into a small closet room. To see there's no one there to spy upon us. That little closet's mighty fit to hide in. There. We're all right now. Marion, in you I've always found a daughter, dutiful and gentle. So I've always loved you dearly. I'm grateful for your fatherly affection. Well-spoken, daughter. Now, prove you deserve it by doing as I wish in all respects. To do so is the height of my ambition. Excellent well. What say you of Tartuffe? Who? I? Yes, you. Look to how you answer. Why, I'll say of him anything you please. Scene two, Orgon, Marianne, Doreen, coming in quietly and standing behind Orgon so that he does not see her. Well spoken, a good girl. Say then, my daughter, that all his person shines with noble merit, that he has won your heart and you would like to have him, by my choice, become your husband, eh? Eh? What say you? Please, what did you say? What? Surely I mistook you, sir. How now? Who is it, father, you would have me say has won my heart, and I would like to have become my husband by your choice? Tartuffe! But, father, I protest it isn't true. Why should you make me tell this dreadful lie? Because I mean to have it to be the truth. Let this suffice for you. I've settled it. What, father? You would— Yes, child, I'm resolved to grant Tartuffe into my family, so he must be your husband. That I've settled, and since your duty— Seeing Doreen. What are you doing here? Your curiosity is keen, my girl, to make you come eavesdropping on us so. Upon my word, I don't know how the rumour got started. If twas guesswork, or mere chance— but I had heard already of this match, and treated it as utter stuff and nonsense. What? Is this thing incredible? So much so, I don't believe it even from yourself, sir. I know a way to make you credit it. No, no, you're telling us a fairy tale. I'm telling you just what will happen shortly. Stuff. Daughter, what I say is in good earnest. There, there, don't take your father seriously. He's fooling. But I tell you— No, no use. They won't believe you. If I let my anger— Well, then, we do believe you, and the worst for you it is. <laughs> what? Can a grown-up man with that expanse of beard across his face be mad enough to want— You hark me! You've taken on yourself here in this house a sort of free familiarity that I don't like. I tell you frankly, girl— there, there, let's not get angry, sir, I beg you. But are you making game of everybody? Your daughter's not cut out for Bigot's meat, and he has more important things to think of. Besides, 
what can you gain by such a match? How can a man of wealth like you go choose a wretched vagabond for son-in-law? You hold your tongue. I know the less he has, the better cause we have to honor him. His poverty is honest poverty. It should exalt him more than worldly grandeur, for he has let himself be robbed of all through careless disregard of temporal things and fixed attachment to the things eternal. My help may set him on his feet again, win back his property, a fair estate he has at home, so I'm informed, and prove him for what he is, a true-born gentleman. Yes, so he says himself. Such vanity but ill accords with pious living, sir. The man who cares for holiness alone should not so loudly boast his name and birth. The humble ways of genuine devoutness brook not so much display of earthly pride. Why should he be so vain? But I offend you. Let's leave his rank, then. Take the man himself. Can you, without compunction, give a man like him possession of a girl like her? Think what a scandal's sure to come of it. Virtue is at the mercy of the fates when a girl's married to a man she hates. The best intent to live an honest woman depends upon the husband's being human, and men whose brows are pointed at afar may thank themselves their wives are what they are. For to be true is more than woman can, with husbands built upon a certain plan. And he who weds his child against her will owes heaven account for it, if she do ill. Think then what perils wait on your design. To Marianne. So, I must learn what's what from her, you see. You might do worse than follow my advice. Daughter, we can't waste time upon this nonsense. I know what's good for you, and I'm your father. True, I had promised you to young Valère, but first they tell me he's inclined to gamble. And then I fear his faith is not quite sound. I haven't noticed that he's regular at church. You'd have him run there just when you do, like those who go on purpose to be seen. I don't ask your opinion on the matter. In short, the other is in heaven's best graces, and that is riches quite beyond compare. This match will bring you every joy you long for. We'll be all steeped in sweetness and delight. You'll live together in your faithful loves like two sweet children, like two turtle doves. You'll never fail to quarrel, scold, or tease. And you may do with him whatever you please. With him? Do not but give him horns, I'll warrant. Out on thee, witch! I tell you, he's cut out for it. However great your daughter's virtue, sir, his destiny is sure to prove the stronger. Have done with interrupting. Hold your tongue. Don't poke your nose in other people's business. She keeps interrupting him just as he turns and starts to speak to his daughter. If I make bold, sir, tis for your own good. You're too officious. Pray you, hold your tongue. Tis love of you. I want none of your love. Then I will love you in your own despite. You will, eh? Yes, your honour's dear to me. I can't endure to see you made the butt of all men's ridicule. Won't you be still? Twould be a sin to let you make this match. Won't you be still, I say, you impudent viper? What? You are pious, and you lose your temper. I am all wrought up with your confounded nonsense. Now, once and for all, I tell you to hold your tongue. Then mum's the word. I'll take it out in thinking. Think all you please. 
but not a syllable to me about it, or you understand. Turning to his daughter. As a wise father, I've considered all with due deliberation. I'll go mad if I can't speak. She stops the instant he turns his head. Though he's no ladies' man, Tartuffe is well enough. A pretty fizz. So that, although you may not care at all for his best qualities... A handsome dowry. Orgon turns and stands in front of her, with arms folded, eyeing her. Were I in her place, any man should rue it who married me by force. That's mighty certain. I let him know, and that within a week, a woman's vengeance isn't far to seek. To Doreen. So, nothing that I say has any weight. Eh? What's wrong now? I didn't speak to you. What were you doing? Talking to myself. Oh, very well. Aside. Her monstrous impudence must be chastised with one good slap in the face. He stands ready to strike her, and each time he speaks to his daughter, he glances toward her. But she stands still and says not a word. Daughter, you must approve of my design. Think of this husband I have chosen for you. To Doreen. Why don't you talk to yourself? Nothing to say. One little word more. Oh, no thanks. Not now. Sure, I'd have caught you. Faith, I'm no such fool. So, daughter, now, obedience is the word. You must accept my choice with reverence. Doreen running away. You'd never catch me marrying such a creature. Swinging his hand at her and missing her. Daughter, you've such a pestilent hussy there. I can't live with her any longer without sin. I can't discuss things in the state I am in. My mind is so flustered by her insolent talk. To calm myself, I must go take a walk. Scene 3. Marianne, Doreen. Say, have you lost the tongue from out your head? And must I speak your role from A to Z? You let them broach a project that's absurd, and don't oppose it with a single word. What can I do? My father is the master. Do? Everything to ward off such disaster. But what? Tell him one doesn't love by proxy. Tell him you'll marry for yourself, not him. Since you're the one for whom the thing is done, you are the one, not he, the man must please. If his tartuffe has charmed him so, why let him just marry him himself. No one will hinder. A father's rights are such, it seems to me, that I could never dare to say a word. Come, talk it out. Valère has asked your hand. Now, do you love him, pray, or do you not? Doreen, how can you wrong my love so much and ask me such a question? Have I not a hundred times laid bare my heart to you? Do you know how ardently I love him? How do I know if heart and words agree, and if in honest truth you really love him? Doreen, you wrong me greatly if you doubt it. I've shown my inmost feelings all too plainly. So then, you love him? Yes, devotedly. And he returns your love, apparently? I think so. And you both alike are eager to be well married to each other? Surely. Then what's your plan about this other match? Oh, to kill myself, if it is forced upon me. Good! That's a remedy I hadn't thought of. Just die and everything will be all right. This medicine is marvellous indeed. It drives me mad to hear folk talk such nonsense. Oh, dear, Doreen, you get in such a temper. You have no sympathy for people's troubles. I have no sympathy when folk talk nonsense and flatten out as you do, at a pinch. But what can you expect? 
if one is timid but what is love worth if it has no courage am i not constant in my love for him is not his place to win me from my father but if your father is a crazy fool and quite bewitched with his tartuffe and breaks his bounden word is that your lover's fault but shall i publicly refuse and scorn this match and make it plain that i'm in love shall i cast off for him whate'er he be womanly modesty and filial duty you ask me to display my love in public no no i ask you nothing you shall be mr tartuffe's why now i think of it i should be wrong to turn you from this marriage what cause can i have to oppose your wishes so fine a match an excellent good match mr tartuffe oh no mean proposal mr tartuffe sure take it all in all is not a man to sneeze at oh by no means tis no small luck to be his happy spouse the whole world joins to sing his praise already he's noble in his parish handsome too red ears and high complexion oh my lud you'll be happy sure with him for husband oh dear what joy and pride will fill your heart to be the bride of such a handsome fellow oh stop i beg you try to find some way to help break off the match i quite give in i'm ready to do anything you say no no a daughter must obey her father though he should want to make her wed a monkey besides your fate is fine what could be better you'll take the stage-coach to his little village and find it full of uncles and of cousins whose conversation will delight you then you'll be presented in their best society you'll even go to call by way of welcome on mrs bailiff mrs tax-collector who'll patronize you with a folding-stool there once a year at carnival you'll have perhaps a ball with orchestra two bagpipes and sometimes a trained ape and punch and judy though if your husband oh you'll kill me please contrive to help me out with your advice i thank you kindly oh doreen i beg you to serve you right this marriage must go through dear girl no if i say i love valere no no tartuffe's your man and you shall taste him you know i've always trusted you now help me no you shall be my faith tartuffified well then since you've no pity for my fate let me take counsel only of despair it will advise and help and give me courage there's one sure cure i know for all my troubles she starts to go there there come back i can't be angry long i must take pity on you after all oh don't you see doreen if i must bear this martyrdom i certainly shall die now don't you fret we'll surely find some way to hinder this but here's valere your lover scene four valere marianne doreen madam a piece of news quite new to me has just come out and very fine it is what piece of news your marriage with tartuffe tis true my father has this plan in mind your father madam yes he's changed his plans and did but now propose it to me what seriously yes he was serious and openly insisted on the match and what's your resolution in the matter madam i don't know that's a pretty answer you don't know no no what do you advise i my advice is marry him by all means that's your advice yes do you mean it surely a splendid choice and worthy of your acceptance 
Oh, very well, sir. I shall take your counsel. You'll find no trouble taking it, I warrant. No more than you did giving it, be sure. I gave it truly to oblige you, madam. And I shall take it to oblige you, sir. Doreen withdrawing to the back of the stage. Let's see what this affair will come to. So, that is your love? And it was all deceit when you— I beg you, say no more of that. You told me squarely, sir, I should accept the husband that is offered me, and I will tell you squarely that I mean to do so, since you have given me this good advice. Don't shield yourself with talk of my advice. You had your mind made up, that's evident, and now you're snatching at a trifling pretext to justify the breaking of your word. Exactly so. Of course it is. Your heart has never known true love for me. Alas! You're free to think so if you please. Yes, yes, I'm free to think so, and my outraged love may yet forestall you in your perfidy, and offer elsewhere both my heart and hand. No doubt of it. The love your high deserts may win. Good Lord, have done with my deserts. I know I have but few, and you have proved it. But I may find more kindness in another. I know of someone who will not be ashamed to take your leavings and make up my loss. The loss is not so great. You'll easily console yourself completely for this change. I'll try my best, that you may well believe. When we're forgotten by a woman's heart, our pride is challenged. We, too, must forget. Or, if we cannot, must at least pretend to. No other way can men such baseness prove, as be a lover scorned and still in love. In faith, a high and noble sentiment. Yes, and it's one that all men must approve. What? Would you have me keep my love alive, and see you fly into another's arms before my very eyes, and never offer to someone else the heart that you had scorned? Oh, no, indeed. For my part, I could wish that it were done already. What? You wish it? Yes. This is insult heaped on injury. I'll go at once and do as you desire. He takes a step or two as if to go away. Oh, very well, then. Turning back. But remember this. "'Twas you that drove me to this desperate pass. "'Of course.' "'Turning back again. "'And in the plan that I have formed, I only follow your example.' "'Yes.' "'At the door. "'Enough. You shall be punctually obeyed.' "'So much the better.' "'Coming back again. "'This is once for all.' "'So be it, then.' "'He goes toward the door, but just as he reaches it, turns around.' "'Eh?' "'What?' "'You didn't call me?' "'I?' You are dreaming. Very well. I'm gone. Madam, farewell. He walks slowly away. Farewell, sir. I must say you've lost your senses and both gone clean daft. I've let you fight it out to the end of the chapter to see how far the thing could go. Oh, ho there, Mr. Valea. She goes and seizes him by the arm to stop him. He makes a great show of resistance. What do you want, Doreen? Come here. No, no, I'm quite beside myself. Don't hinder me from doing as she wishes. Stop! No! You see, I'm fixed, resolved, determined. So? Aside. Since my presence pains him, makes him go, I'd better go myself and leave him free. Now the other. Leaving Valere and running after Marianne. Where are you going? Let me be. Come back. No, no, it isn't any use. Aside. Tis clear the sight of me is torture to her. No doubt, twere better I should free her from it. Same thing again. 
leaving Marianne and running after Valère. Deuce take you both, I say. Now stop your fooling. Come here, you. And you. She pulls first one, then the other, toward the middle of the stage. To Doreen. What's your idea? To Doreen. What can you mean to do? Set you to rights and pull you out of the scrape. To Valère. Are you quite mad to quarrel with her now? Didn't you hear the things she said to me? To Marianne. Are you quite mad to get in such a passion? Didn't you see the way he treated me? Fools, both of you. To Valère. She thinks of nothing else but to keep faith with you. I vouch for it. To Marianne. And he loves none but you, and longs for nothing but just to marry you. I stake my life on it. To Valère. Why did you give me such advice then, pray? Why ask for my advice on such a matter? You both are daft, I tell you. Here, your hands. To Valère. Come, yours. Giving Doreen his hand. What for? To Marianne. Now, yours. Giving Doreen her hand. But what's the use? Oh, quick now, come along. There, both of you. You love each other better than you think. Valère and Marianne hold each other's hands some time without looking at each other. Come. At last turning toward Marianne. Don't be so ungracious now about it. Look at a man as if you didn't hate him. Marianne looks sideways toward Valère with just a bit of a smile. My faith and troth, what fools these lovers be. To Marianne. But come now, have I not a just complaint? And truly, are you not a wicked creature to take delight in saying what would pain me? And are you not yourself the most ungrateful? Leave this discussion till another time. Now, think how you'll stave off this plaguy marriage. Then tell us how to go about it. Well, we'll try all sorts of ways. To Marianne. Your father's daft. To Valère. This plan is nonsense. To Marianne. You had better humour his notions by a semblance of consent, so that in case of danger you can still find means to block the marriage by delay. If you gain time, the rest is easy, trust me. One day you'll fool them with a sudden illness, causing delay. Another day, ill omens. You've met a funeral, or broke a mirror, or dreamed of muddy water. Best of all, they cannot marry you to anyone without your saying yes. But now, methinks, they mustn't find you chattering together. To Valère. You, go at once and set your friends at work to make him keep his word to you while we will bring the brother's influence to bear, and get the stepmother on our side, too. Goodbye. To Marianne. Whatever efforts we may make, my greatest hope, be sure, must rest on you. I cannot answer for my father's whims, but no one save Valère shall ever have me. You thrill me through with joy. Whatever comes. Oh, ho, these lovers, never done with prattling. Now go. Starting to go and coming back again. One last word. What a gabble and pother! Be off! By this door you, and you by the other. She pushes them off by the shoulders in opposite directions. End of Act Two